Welcome back to this hardcore podcast. You just heard reaching out the track. What was left? This is off the new record. What was left? Reaching out great young kids. And we've had them on the young ones episode and just to see them continue to grow and build their name up alone just from being younger kids is amazing. But to hear the finished and polished sound that they are now pushing forward to. Make sure to check them out. This is like absolutely just cool to see kids who are barely old enough to uh, do some of the shit that they did. And doing it way before so many people do in hardcore now. And uh, they had a record release the previous weekend, and I just wanted to shout out and give them some love, and uh, just congratulations on releasing this, and um, link will be in the show notes as always, um, Philly Hardcore is really fucking busy in the month of March, to be honest, I mean, like it's out of control, we've got the show that just happened, Last night was the um, Violent Way Castillo repeat offender cut down at the photo club. And tonight, C4 Combust Exhibition, Burning Lord at Bonks. Yes, Bonks in Port Richmond. That starts at 7. Then March 10th, A Knife in the Dark, Carbonite Domain, Eyes Wide Shut, Last Man Out. That's the media VFW. Then March 12th, Reaching Out. Band we just played. Prowl, Conduit, Killing Me, Vespid. March 14th, Last Wishes, Kidnapped, Sinister Feeling, Bayway, Shot Out, Media, VFW. I should mention March 11th at the fire in Philadelphia will be Liberty and Justice. Um, what's the name of that band? Oh, Conservative Military Image. Please Die. That's going to be at that's a 21-plus show. That'll be March 10th. So you got March 10th, 11th, 12th, straight up at shows. Um, March 20th, Bike Route, Spite House, OK Buddy, West Main, at Bonks. March 23rd, 7 p.m., Tsunami, Spy, Missing Link, Fool's Game, Skyrip, First Unitarian Church. 24 and 25, March, a hardcore weekend at First Unitarian Church. First night. Gridiron, Magnitude, Simulacra, Adrian, Moment of Truth, Never Again, Statement of Pride, Killing Me. The next night, Mind Force, Seed of Pain, Envision, Be All, End All, Live It Down, Chemical Fix, Carbonite, Almighty Watching, Burning Strong, Wreckage, and Pain Clinic. Then, March 6th, Stateside Jockey, The Great American Typewriter, and more of Media VFW. Then there's two shows, March 30th, 7 p.m., Chemical Fix, Jive Bomb, Gum, Bankrupt at the Snake Pit, then there's Vein, Year of the Knife, Foreign Hands, and Gloves Off at the First Unitarian Church. April 7th, Standstill, Wild Red, Sun Title, Capsule, Nave, Attunes in Voorhees, New Jersey. Everything at philly-shows.com. Get it checked out. Everyone's kicking ass. Lots of shows. Stay with it. And um, just thank you for supporting Philadelphia Hardcore. Um it's been awesome to have more people involved than ever before.
putting shit out. Just on the Philly hardcore shows. There's still R5 productions. Tons of other people doing hardcore shows and hardcore punk shows. We're not the only ones. But I should say that this is what we do. Well, you know that most of my day is spent pouring concrete, union concrete worker here in Philadelphia. And for years I've been a fan of the Jocko podcast. And for years I've been, you know, using Origin USA products from their geese to their krill oil. Krill oil is really good if you've got a lot of uh, inflammation in the joints. The best way I can describe it to you is like if you're the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz and you got to get that oil in you. Absolutely incredible stuff. Um, they got great supplements and they can go right to your door. You can also get them at the vitamin shop, which is one local to me, so it makes it easy. And if you go to the vitamin shop, you get that special pink lemonade Jocko Go. The Jocko Go is a skinny, awesome can, like another big product, the energy drink only. There's no crap. There's no sugar. It's all natural, keto, vegan, the whole nine yards. I drink Jocko Go often. We have Jocko Go in the fridge right now. When we're out in Wawa, we go down to FYA last year. Yeah, we're getting we're getting it on with the Jocko Go. Um, Origin USA is a company made in America, started in Maine, and they make not only Jiu-Jitsu keys and other products. I have their heavy hoodie, and this is the first season I wore the heavy hoodie, and man, it came through big time. I pour concrete all day. I, I actually at one point had my hood over my hard hat as I'm pouring concrete. Um, special pockets, not tailored like your typical everybody else kind of hoodie. The hood's a little bit different. The side pockets are different. you got the zipper pocket. I mean, it's literally incredible to see American-made products that outshine anything in the market. And I say this to you because I've had a couple people hit us up like, hey, I heard you talk about getting in a union. So I tell them how to, you know, here's the unions to join. You know, here's how you write to them. We had a kid from Michigan just got into the Cement Masons. So since people are listening to the podcast right now, I think if you really want to do the best for yourself and do the best for everybody, make sure you're going to JockoFuel.com or, or go into the grocery store. Look for those uh, cans. Uh, Vitamin Shop has those supplements or you can go to their website. And um, Origin USA, if you're a hunter, I mean, to be honest with you, I was even told about just wearing the hunting gear just because it looks cool. You can keep that re- real tree shit. I'm going to go out and get some Jocko hunting gear. You'll see me in the pit with it. But, um, yeah, make sure you go to JockoFuel.com. Make sure you go to Origin USA and support real people from your country who are making things awesome, better, high quality, worthy of every penny that you give them. And just so you remember, Jocko, OG, 1980s hardcore dude. So you're supporting another hardcore dude. Thank you so much. I got the opportunity once again to be a part of the 185 Mile South. And they were celebrating 200 episodes in a specific part of the program. Richie Crutch and I got to go on and talk about uh, one of the games they play. Uh, out of four records, one's got to go. And it was the Madball Records the infamous set it off, demonstrate my style, look my way, and hold it down. And you know I didn't hold fucking back. And look my way, had to go. Now in hindsight, yeah, look my way is a great record, yada, yada, yada. I saw it in the comments. It, it, it historically, and in time with what the band was up to, it was the weakest record, and I'll stick to that. But make sure you're checking out 185 Miles South absolutely critically important awesome hardcore podcast some amazing guys and i love their takes i love their stories i love the history 
one of the best hardcore podcasts there are. And since we're talking about hardcore podcasts, I should shout out Hard Lore Podcast. Thanks for having Jay Pedigrino on the show. Jay Mindforce, my boy, holding it down for me, giving me some love. Really appreciate it being uh, getting texted and saying, yo, you hear what Jay had to say on the podcast? And uh, he said, I am a Ma-style king. And to be honest, you know, anytime someone talks about moshing and hardcore in general or brings me into it, I, I'm usually flabbergasted and flattered. There's a huge part of my life was just going to shows and kicking people. It sounds fucking crazy to say that. What'd you do with most of your 20s and into your 30s? Um, yeah, I would go travel hundreds of miles and kick people directly in the chest and uh, hopefully not get kicked in my chest. But um, yeah, since we're talking about hardcore podcasts, make sure you're checking out Hard Lore Podcast with um, Bo and Colin Young. They got the video gimmick going. Um, I should also mention that, and I mentioned it in another podcast, but Richie absolutely fucking killed it on his post-America podcast, the episode with Paul Bear, Sheer Terror. Fuck, we should have had him on for episode 109. You remember Three Year Bitch? The lyrics. And the streetlights of the 109. But I digress. Hardcore podcasts have been pretty fucking awesome. In fact, Richie had Chubby Fresh on, and I haven't gotten to the episode, but he is a polarizing figure and someone who I think anyone should take the time to go to Post America Podcast and check out the interview and what Chubbs has to say. It's been a couple of years since I heard from Chubby, so I don't even really know what's up to him. I might as well check it and check that out tomorrow. One of the biggest things that I do while I'm at work is listen to podcasts and audiobooks. Um, I listen to every single episode of Jocko Podcast. I listen to some Joe Rogan episodes. I listen to Martyr Made. I've checked out a couple Andrew Huberman episodes. I listen to 185 Miles South religiously. I've checked out some of the From Within Records podcast. A couple times if Jamie Ork has a friend of mine on, I'll listen for a little bit. But for the most part, I, I really do think that the coolest thing about this medium, the ability to have people from hardcore have conversations with other people from hardcore it it does give perspective insights you get some cool awesome stories and the hope with this specific podcast moving forward is to do some more stuff in person with my guests obviously we're still going to do some remote stuff but looking to change up as i've been saying but you know the way that this whole crazy shit's been the last couple weeks it's been hard to me to put my foot down and get rolling in that side because of just real life and shit going on. I should say because it's my podcast and I'll say whatever the fuck I want that um we have never going to be able to replace Abel, but we did rescue a dog. Her adopted name was, or her name, her, her rescue name was Bernice. And uh, we are shortening that to Barry. We got her from the amazing... Philly bully team and Bob Wilson when he does the Philadelphia shows barbecue he donates to them 100% and they're absolutely fantastic I could not refer or recommend a better place to get a dog and it's been hard it's been hard to come home from work 
It's been hard to lay in bed. You know, like food falls on the floor, that boy would just run and grab it immediately. Um, a lot of this has been hard. And then we came to this resolution that not only did we have a hole to fill emotionally and in this house, but also we have a backyard, which is rare in Philadelphia. And we love dogs. We love. We would love to have another pit, and so that's what we got. So I just figured, just despite all the chaos and despite the some of the depressing shit going on, that there's some light at the end of some tunnels. And I appreciate all of you always for everything that you guys do. Moving on to some more positive shit. We just had Gorilla Biscuits play the First Unitarian Church. Not once, but twice. And the thing about Gorilla Biscuits playing the church is they don't fucking need to play the church, and you know that. In fact, another promoter might have tried to squeeze out every dime, push them into the biggest room possible, and look for the big payout. But sometimes you need to take Potentially one of the greatest, well, not potentially, definitely one of the greatest and most important New York hardcore bands and hardcore bands in general, and put them in one of the greatest living venues. I say living venues because obviously you could say A7, and you could say, you know, the Pyramid Club, you could say Anthrax in Connecticut, Church Gardens, you can name all these places are gone. The First Unitarian, despite, I think it was maybe a two or three year lapse in the end of the 90s and then we were back in the early 2000s at the church it has been going strong and not just for our fire productions but all the way back in the Cabbage Collective days and you know Philly Hardcore shows as I always say branched off out of the tutelage of Sean Agnew and our fire productions we both do stuff and Dave Kiss does stuff there but my goal is not to maximize profit which is why I pour Union Concrete for a living. So I'm able to still make a living, still have benefits, and still have a pension and an annuity should I survive another fucking 22 years of working. The key is at times when I'm doing these things is to put together something not only that people will be excited for, but something that, and this is going to sound different than what I've said before, but like, Putting on something that can test the ability of what I have done. And, you know, I don't wave a rag. I don't wave like a flag around being like, do you know how long I've done this? Do you know who I've booked? I never say shit like that. But the way shows are booked, especially when you've been doing it long enough, it's kind of a lot easier once the ball has been rolling and it's, it feels more like a downhill than an uphill. So... Every once in a while, you need to potentially bother people like Siv and get him on board with the idea of doing the church. And big shout out to John Scanlon and to Greg Daly and the ghost. John Scanlon handled a lot of stuff for Gorilla Biscuits and made it definitely, you know, he didn't have to sell Siv too hard, but I definitely think Scanlon had a hand in making everything work. Uh, Greg Daly when he's home and not touring, has an insane amounts of gear, so it was easy to rent a backline and extra drums, so everybody was good. And that stuff does become important doing shows as well. But back to what I was saying is, 
I can't just just do the tour bit, the tour package tour. Uh, here's the four bands, and let's put an opener. Well, yeah, we'll use your flyer. Sometimes you got to step it up. Sometimes I just want to do things because I want to be able to say, man, I can't wait for the Gorilla Biscuits to play the church. Or, you know, two weeks from now, we're going to be sitting here eating, and Joe McHenry's going to be like, dude, can you fucking believe Gorilla Biscuits played the church? That's the way it is. And so these are the kind of things that not only thrill me and keep me going, but I think is still very important to the future of hardcore. And, you know, no one has a crystal ball. No one has the ability to see where the next thing, where the next, what's going to come when the river bends again. What's the next thing that's really going to be exciting? There's only one person. His name is Bob Wilson. And he'll probably book them at this year's FYA. And in four years, they'll be the next turnstile. But until Bob drops that on us, we have to just go off our own cognitive uh, thought processes here. And to me, a young kid who is moshing super hard for all these younger bands benefits greatly from seeing something like the Gorilla Biscuits anywhere. But more specifically, giving someone who's young and excited and and you know, I was in the same boat. Told we missed this band, we missed that band, we missed this band. It gives someone an iconic moment of their own to be a part of and be a witness to and bear witness to, so to speak. And you find yourself with people who are more connected because they've seen something great. And I think that that's one of the great drawing points to a lot of these festivals is that all of these kids, specifically... The today's standards are looking for that moment of, oh, I went all the way out and got to see blah, blah, blah. And you've heard me talk. I mean, we've done it. You know, like, I still talk about the Agnostic Front release, you know, or the reunion, rather. There's tons of shows that I had that same excitement for, so I can relate heavily. For me, it goes deeper in that I saw some kids who definitely play a more heavier style of hardcore and mosh and go off for all the heavy modern bands. But they were all up on fucking stage, taking the mic and stage diving for Gorilla Biscuits. And to me, it was hit or miss. I didn't know specifically if some of the younger cats from our area really, really cared. Now, granted, there was a lot of you motherfuckers who didn't come. But it, it, we get it. We're your posers. You know, you would go crazy if Kickback played the church, but you're not going to go see Gorilla Biscuits. Totally okay with that. You know, I remember when. You know, be the old Ed. I remember when you first started coming around, kid, and you were from Metalcore then and not supporting a Gorilla Biscuit at the church. <laughs> it sounds like you're still in the Metalcore now. So let's leave it at that. But for the people that do love real hardcore, man, what a fucking performance. And, and a performance is different than a set. Set is a band performing their songs, but this Civ has this Masters of Ceremony thing down. The New York hardcore guys really have it down pat. And I think it's just years. It really does come down to being an older, more comfortable position with the microphone and needing to connect with the crowd because you're not just like, I'm the kid. And this is no diss to the kids from like Magnitude or whatever, but like the kid from Magnitude has a lot of uh, charisma when he's on stage because everybody wants to sing all those lyrics. But take a 45-year-old man version of him, and I hope that he has some of the swag that Siv does. You know, because it, because it becomes about confidence. It becomes about 
being able to hold the attention with the microphone if the music isn't playing and being able to be just as vital. And, you know, obviously the front man always stick out, so it's easy. But to hold court the way Siv does is it's a fucking art form. And I'm hoping that some young kid in the back goes ahead and sees this performance because that's what it was. It was a performance as an inspired to be like, I want to be like that dude one day because at 43 years old, I can't tattoo like him. Uh, I'll probably never be vegetarian like him. I was vegetarian for a while, but you know, few if anyone's going to be Siv. And I think a lot of it does come down that I bet when the day comes where he puts some hours away to do this podcast, I bet you $5 right here to the first three people who say you were, you were wrong. If we have this bet that Anthony Communal has a huge play in how he holds himself down on stage. Why I'm saying all this is that, you know, yeah, there is a importance on supporting the new breed, the young bands, the ones holding the flag and carrying it, all these different euphemisms and sayings, but don't miss out on something like Gorilla Biscuits. And they're playing all over. We got lucky. We got lucky we had them there earlier on. We did Boston. We did the Philly shows, the Boston show. They're going to be playing in New Jersey. You know, it's they're going to be playing down in uh, Richmond and Baltimore. You know, this isn't this is not the time to say, you know, you know what, I'll see Gorilla Biscuits again. I didn't see Gorilla Biscuits until 2006. Um I and that's what I said. I can't believe that that's 17 years ago. And if we do the math backwards, they the amount of time since their first time they've actually been more active on and off since 2006 than they were in the interim times between when they started in about 85, 86 to 2006. And there's a reason why, because their record. I mean, the seven is just fucking literally out, outstanding, but... That start the day record. There's just few, if any, records that can ever touch it as far as hardcore goes. And once this band wraps it up for good, this Gorilla Biscuits, that's it. Snow going to be calling Siv in 15 years. Because I'll be almost 60, so he will be nearly 70-something and say, fuck you, I ain't doing this again. And I think that's something that I'm starting to realize is not only my own mortality and the fact that I am getting older, but the fact that hardcore and the things that I love about hardcore have grown, have blossomed, some have died off, some have grown, blossomed, died, reborn, blossomed even more, and then die off again. And some are, you know, in full bloom for the third time. And I think that just comes from time in and doing things. And for all the young folks who feel, and God bless you all, I mean, just from a perspective that I have, I feel like these years fly by. I feel like I blinked my eye, and it was just a couple weeks ago that we were back from FYA, and real life set back in, and it was cold, and we're in January, and now we're talking about March here, and time flies faster for older people, and that's... Something that the youth will never understand until they're old. But 
I think that what I'm trying to get to in the long way is that the more I look back on the things when I was a kid, it's impressive that some of the things that mean the most to me still mean the most to the younger kids going to hardcore shows today. I mean, I kind of won. <laughs> I won a cultural war because, you know, bands like All oh, War are still relevant. They were one of my favorites. E-Town Concrete could literally headline This Is Hardcore this week <laughs> and or this year again and kill it again. Why? Because E-Town Concrete is that fucking band. But yet, when that shit was happening, it was nothing but salt and shit talking and people completely stereotype not only the band themselves, but the fans. And yet here we are. And it's 20 years since the renaissance. And people fucking love that band just as much as 20 years ago. If not way more because of that static time where those records just sat in the ether. You know, alive, but the band wasn't as active. And I think that plays heavily also into the Gorilla Biscuits thing. The Gorilla Biscuits isn't fucking sick of it all. They don't got seven fucking LPs. They don't play Indonesia for, you know, every 22 and a half months apart. They don't go to Germany four times a year. They're just fucking E-Town Concrete. And I think that there's no rules to how bands govern themselves or build their legacy up. And in fact, we talked about it a lot last year. You know, I mean, not last year, last episode. You know, plain and simple, there is tons of bands who operate differently. And there's none of us that have any say in it. Despite the Twitter complaining and all that. But if we were to have a say, I think a lot of bands that are around for a long time, I think the fans would be like, hey, we don't really need you to record another record. We'd rather just have you guys play the cool shit that you hadn't played in 20-something years. And that's the sad reality of it. But, you know, we talked to, we touched on this a lot, where the marketing, the money, you know, the, the gas in the tank. The gas in the tank of a band is in these ways that these records are written, recorded, released on a two- to three-year cycle to keep the band active. And I think about Gorilla Biscuits just having, oh, yeah, when's Gorilla Biscuits going to do a new record cycle? How fucking you do? They're fucking Gorilla Biscuits. And, and, you know, they are one of the rare random bands. But it does need to be said that sometimes the best bands in hardcore have a record. Maybe they have a demo, an EP, and then that fucking record. And and it's it's enough. It's enough because of the impact. And I, and I imagine the the longer hardcore goes on or how long it's been going on, a lot of this stuff is white noise. A lot of this stuff is just a little bit more of the same. Or, you know, oh, this is fresh because it sounds like this band who was ripping off this band, but since I don't know them two bands, I think that this is fresh. Because I'm 18, I'm not 43. I wasn't there when the first stuff happened. I get that. But I think the path doesn't have just one road. You know, it doesn't, there's not like a one, one lane highway here. It's going to be bands doing whatever the fuck they want, but it's going to be specifically the bands like a Gorilla Biscuits, 
that are always going to just be a measure above others because they didn't tour a million times in the U.S. They, until And this is like true touring. They didn't really do too much. And I mean, they did, I think, they, and as I said, they did more in the reunion era than in the original era. And I think that plays heavily into popularity, but also just should be an homage to how great their the recording and the impact of those songs were. It's fucking weird, man. My point is getting further from me as I talk more, and it's annoying me. But my point is that the key thing here is when I do these kind of shows, it's to keep me sharp. You know, there's not, not just like the weird logistic things. It's like, you know, it ain't just a walk in the park. There's <laughs> a lot of kids, a lot of, lot of little things going on. And for me, I was like, man, I wonder, I hope people don't try to jump off the top of the PA anymore. Like, cause that's a pain in the ass, especially for these people who don't know. We have the two PA speakers on each side on top of baker scaffolds that are used for construction. So they could easily just get pulled the fuck down. They're pulled down, which is why we're always smacking people's hands. Like, don't grab that. Don't grab that. Don't grab that. So pull the whole fucking PA down on everybody else. And that's the kind of stuff that goes through my head. It was like, is this going to get out of control? And like, are people going to go so nuts we're not going to be able to control the stage? <laughs> and then with the stage diving, man, these kids are bad. But I'll, that's a whole nother podcast. I think in my um, barely getting a true point out, I'm, I'm trying to say that this whole thing has a lot of different ways it can suss out if you're a newer band. And I, and I see a lot of newer bands in the DMs. Like, yo, we'd love to play the church. I'm going to tell you, yeah, anyone can play the church theoretically. But I'm going to ask you, do you want to rush to play the church so you can tell everybody you played the church? Or do you want to build your name up to when you guys play that you've got this kind of fucking attention on you, especially if you're an out-of-towner. Locals, regional, it's a little bit like, hey, we live around here, we should all play the church because the people who play the church are often the same people in the crowd going off for the next band or the next four bands after because that's how local kids around here still do it. But I think some of these bands, because of the legacy and the hate five six videos and all that stuff they want to play the church for the bragging rights but it doesn't maybe they're not the kind of band who can do a church level set now i say this but going to the church as a kid there was tons of bands who just played on the floor and the place was half empty and you know a lot of the waxing nostalgically was more for the people that were around that are no longer around versus the kind of shows that got so crazy because a lot of that missed the hardcore so the biggest shows in that church were not the hardcore shows. They were like, I mean, one of the biggest shows I've ever seen there was Promise Ring and Hot Water Music. That was insanely packed. It's been a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, the Kid Dynamite Benefit Reunion show or whatever that was in the early 2000s, that was insane. I can name a a dozen shows that are on the periphery of hardcore or or straight-up hardcore that were insane, but I, I don't know if anything was more packed than that so why I bring the church up again with this is like a band should be focusing not on playing these things first like 
it's not like a do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars type thing, but it is like a hey, get your get your ducks in a row here. You know? Make sure you're building this band up so when you come and play a an iconic venue or a, you know, something that's important to you, like a venue that you've heard about, you make some waves. You're not the Wawa band. And unfortunately Wawa's no longer down the street, but over the years, there was a lot of Wawa bands at the church where the band would get on stage and half the place would go, all right, time to get something to eat or for the drinkers, go outside and drink or the smokers go out and smoke. You want to be that band that everybody is tense because the PA just went down, the band's on stage, and we're like, fuck, these guys are going to go fucking absolutely eat shit. And I was thinking about this. like, I was a metalhead before I was ever a hardcore kid. Um, I am a month away from being able to say I've been going to hardcore shows for 30 years but mind you I'm saying this and I was a 12 year old kid turning 13 and I did not look like a hardcore kid and I, most of my music was not hardcore but that was my first hardcore show regardless um, but you know you want to have that kind of excitement of the band that's going to set this whole thing off or the energy in the show is great and you're going to carry it on. But I think about like back to being a metalhead and young and just trying to get in there and do the push and the shove and not get knocked over by some dude with a beard and big fucking boots or when they still had all the Nazis at the shows, you know, like those are the things that I was worried about. I was never till the fucking headliner. Maybe some of the hipper things that the first time I saw Life Agony at uh, Trocadero was insane. This is like the first time I saw Machine Head with Biohazard um, and um, Slayer. And that was not That show is almost 30 years old, too, which is crazy. But I don't know if metal people get that emotionally excited. I think I didn't feel that way except for like the headlining bands or like, you know, I just didn't feel that way. It, was, it took hardcore because you get to interact with the band. I think that's what I'm getting at here is a lot of the things in hardcore revolve around the people no matter what the band yeah they might sell cool merch they might have cool songs they might be people like Scott Vogel who can uplift you by telling you you can overcome and all this shit but at the end of the day hardcore is going to be always on a different fucking level because it is up to the people in the pit and in the floor to go off and to respond to the music and that's what drives me when I think about a GB show at the church. It's like, I know people are going to go the fuck off. So it's like, man, this is so exciting. How do you build, build around Gorilla Biscuits so you can add to it, so to speak? That's how I, I take the approach of what can I add to this? So the first show was Be Well and Pagan Babies from Philadelphia. And couldn't ask for a better crowd. Three bands, first night. People showed up. They didn't have to get there too early. Nobody stayed too late. In, out, great. Be Well's vibes, totally different than the Pagan Baby's vibes. They kind of both blended really well with GB that night. And then the sat the Sunday matinee was just another one. Hard turf opened. Older guys, new band, Philadelphia dudes. Then right into Dead Last, John Scanlon's band. They played like 11 minutes or something. And then it was... Combust into Raw Brigade into Kill Your Idols. 
And you're just like, dude, to me, I was like, this is fucking sick. Fast, aggressive, young kids going off. Just something that pulls, again, back to that thing I was saying about the younger kids being involved and getting excited. You know, if it was just all older bands, I don't know if them younger kids would have been there that Sunday. But they were there. And that crowd Sunday was a lot wilder than that show Saturday. That's, you know, that's the part of hardcore that I don't ever want to see gone. I don't want to be a part of a hardcore scene where the crowd doesn't really how much of a say. You know, what this doesn't have, like, in, and, I, and I know where it comes from. It comes from, like, these big goofball barricade shows and these big, goofy, multi-stage barricaded festivals. And that's why I just look and go, hey, man, it's great that there's all these bands playing these places and getting paid lots of money. For me, I played some of them in Europe. Wasn't my thing. If it gives the bands money and they're happy and they can move forward and it can help them keep doing I'm going to support it, but I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to be like, this is the best fucking ever because my shit is always going to be some basement show. Not a basement from the church. I said, see, you would have edited that out, but I'm not going to. Not a basement show like a house show, but the basement of a church, little fucking hall, linoleum floors, bathrooms are a little weird. I'll take that over any fucking barricade any day. It's just what I'm ingrained to do. But I understand and I'm learning more that a lot of people do not come from that. Which is, again, I could say, well, you know, I came up I came up in the hardcore scene socially at the First Unitarian Church. But I was a card, literally an actual card-carrying World Heavy Metal Alliance card. <laughs> fucking 90s, Google it. World Metal Alliance. They send you a card in the mail. You know, I was a, a fucking straight-up headbanger headbanger through my teens and then hardcore started shaping not only what I was doing on the weekend but shaped me as a human shaped me as a person shaped my aesthetic so to speak which not much has fucking changed this whole time so you know but definitely cannot relate at times and that's another part of what I was going to get to is like it's not like, well, you've been a hardcore dude so long. It's like, yeah, but I was a child going to hardcore show, uh, metal shows before I was a hardcore kid. So it's not like I was gr- I was raised on negative approach. No, that came way after I knew every metal. The first two. <laughs> this is the time when there was five Metallica records, not 48 and only four are good. You know, I knew more about thrash metal, death metal, black metal than I did about hardcore music when I started really getting hard and into it. And so... I don't have that relationship to wax like, oh, well, you know, these bands are still good. Like, yeah, some of them are good. I think hardcore kind of shifted some of my opinions or being a promoter shifted, you know, in hindsight, some of my positions on some of my favorite bands. Though some of these records I still listen to all the time. I still listen to Suicidal all the time. I still listen to Anthrax all the time. I still listen to a lot of death metal, you know, but for different reasons. You know, Carcass is still one of my favorite bands. Um, I still love At The Gate. I mean, there's so many bands I think of that just come to mind that I, if it came on, I wouldn't turn it off, that kind of deal. But I wonder what changes in a time where you become like a mall metal dude in the late 90s or early 2000s or mid-2000s or 2010s, and you find hardcore, but you're still okay. Like, oh yeah, this metal show's not bad. I can't relate to it. I'm not shitting on it. I just can't relate 
I can't relate to like shows like, like diet shows. You're like, oh, what's a cool show? It's yeah, there's a barricade, and you know, <laughs> I, I, no, it's not my thing. I can't understand it. So it's my job to not shit all over people who are doing things I don't really understand. It's my job to infuse positivity, infuse the experiences that will hopefully take a younger person and put them in the proper position to go and do something awesome with a weekend like GB. And that's what I have to do. And that's what I try to do. And it's hard. It's a hard, it's, it's actually easier to do a church show that has just four or five bands. Like the Vane show came together very easily, even though we handpicked all the bands minus Vane who had an off date. But, you know, the Vane show is going to be awesome. And that may be some young kid's first church show. And I hope it really is. But I also hope that kid respects the amazingness that the church is and isn't like, ah, you know, I wish there was a bar and, you know, where's the fucking coat check? (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't know to tell you, cuz. It's a fucking church. It's a church hall. It's what separates the way that we operate from a lot of people is that we're not trying to get to another level. And And I think in tying all this back to the GB stuff, GB doesn't try to get to another level. They're the level. They're they're fucking Gorilla Biscuits. It's impressive nonetheless to see them. You know, there's probably not too many fests. You know, um, there's probably not too many fests that Gorilla Biscuits haven't been offered to play. You know, they could have played Punk Rock Bowen. They didn't because of COVID shit. They have played, I believe they played Riot Fest. They're playing Furnace Fest. They played tons of big shit all over Europe. You know, like, they're known. But they still understand the importance and the precedence that would take place with being a part of now the First Unitarian Church legacy. And that's the kind of stuff that we're still building here. And I say we're because it's not just me. It's Philadelphia. I wasn't the first person in Philadelphia, nor will I be the last. Bob Wilson, Ben Stuckey, you know, they're right there, swinging, killing it. I mean, fuck, I think Bob has like three church shows or... He's got a show tonight. He's got a show. I'll, 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 I said it earlier, but I'm not going to go back to the list. Just look. But Bob has so many fucking shows in March and April. It's retarded. But it's great because it means that it's not like, oh, there's no Joe Hardcore. There's no shows, though. There's fucking Bob Wilson, Ben Stuckey. There's a bunch of kids from Aunt Woobly and the weird sort of basement goofball beatdown crew world that exists in Philadelphia in these small venues, but that's happening um, around here. Like, there's people doing shit. It's just we're the ones doing the hardcore that I think has not not an authenticity, but still is connected to some of the more older shit. And, yeah, I think that some of these younger kids, moving into the next thought that I had, some of the younger kids are afraid to admit that they don't listen to some of the older bands. It's something I may have touched on in a previous podcast, but it's important to say. It's important to say that it doesn't matter if you've never heard Killing Time Brightside. You should check it out. Uh, you probably are not going to get as many bitches trying to be like, yo, girl, you want to come home and listen to Killing Time, uh, Killing Time Brightside record? No, probably not. Not Deftones is probably still the number one record that metalcore kids bang to, I imagine. But 
it's important to say that if you're a younger kid and you don't want to say to a Joe Hardcore, I never heard this. Dude, there's hundreds of LPs and thousands of demos and thousands of EPs of like really important hardcore records from 1980 to the last week that I've never heard, you know? And many people haven't heard. Not everybody heard, listens to everything. Maybe Kevin Hare because he's fucking autistic as shit. You know, I could see a Greg Daly knowing a lot more shit, but he doesn't know the E-Town Concrete and the Fury of Five world as much. He knows enough of it from working with this hardcore, but not intrinsically as deep as he would know, like the power violence side, et cetera, et cetera. But before I get off the tangent, you know, like there's an important thing to just say, hey, fuck, you know what? I, I, I never checked it out and check it out because I, I would like and my hope would always be and hope has, has still been and always will be to forge and build the bridge back to these kids who are coming in from this metalcore shit, who are doing the moshy hardcore stuff and all that stuff, but still eschewing and not giving a fuck about stuff like Gorilla Biscuits. And that and that's and that's no slight on them. Just saying, like, to me, it feels bizarre to be like, oh yeah, that kid's a hardcore kid. When I ask him about Gorilla, ah, I don't really care about seeing them at the church. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> it's just weird. It's a different. It's not a different time. It's just. As the time progresses, people will not give a fuck as much about some of these bands. And that's a in the mortality thing again. I don't know where I would be without this stuff. And I also don't know where I would want to stand when more of this stuff goes away. Not just... When I say go away, yeah, there's bands that don't play anymore, obviously. There's guys that are way too old and probably shouldn't play anymore. But I don't know where I will be, and it's no slight to these guys either. We've booked them at the church twice, you know. I played this hardcore, but like, if in the year twenty twenty nine, there's way less of the faster, more aggressive hardcore shit, and it's either some tenth rate bad beatdown stuff or knock loose ripoffs. At 49, I'm going to go, you know what, man? Like, there's no place for what I want to do in hardcore. Then again, the argument could easily be turned back. Well, then Joe, start a new band. Joe, you should do a band and do this. I don't know if it's going to happen, but in that alternate reality, I don't have a place in hardcore in my present day thinking. Hopefully I'm wrong, and in six years, there's that awesome balance, and there's people that still fuck with the old stuff, young kids still getting those key records and those beginning records in. And to me, because we were talking about the Madball thing, like, Every kid should know what Madball set it off. Listen, sounds like I've always been uh, a mark because when I got into hardcore stuff, Agnostic Front had long hair and they would put out a record called One Voice. So that's the record that I would immediately say you need to listen to from Agnostic Front and then go back, go back to the demo. I mean, not the demo. You can go back to the first um, United Blood. You can go back to Victim and Pain. You can go to the um, Calls for Alarm record. You can go back to all that stuff. But one voice to me is always going to be like something special. And um, aside from that, you know, I love, I've always loved the faster hardcore stuff like the, you know, uh, Slapshot. I think 16 Valve of Hate, Back on the Map. That kind of shit was really important to me as a kid. They didn't really have breakdowns, but Jack just had this awesome voice, awesome aggressive style. Said some of the coolest lyrics in hardcore. 
never been fucked up before, but I've more fucked up than you'll ever be. That was fucking powerful, you know? And I, and I want to say that there will still be people fucking with this kind of stuff. I don't see every single band from this current era who's super metallic surviving or turning into like the band that kids will buy the t-shirts for $400 and now probably $800. You're buying a, a year of the night for a Simulacra shirt eight years from now for $800. It'd be kind of bizarre, but it's plausible. You know, as kids today, they go on YouTube and then they want to buy crazy shirts by bands for hundreds of dollars. And they probably are getting selling the shirts for more than the band was actually getting paid when they were a band. One of those bands that gets like that is that Grimlock band from Western Mass. They were fucking sick. And I was actually honored to write some shit about them for one of the releases. But again, falling off to what I was saying is, yeah, in a couple of years, I do worry about where things go when younger kids who come into hardcore, they kind of pick and they kind of pick. You know, like, oh, I like this, I don't like this. Oh, this is for me, this isn't for me. Well, then it's kind of like, well, then where do we go? What do we do? And what does this become if there isn't that connection? But that's not right now. Right now we have an awesome hardcore scene. It is diverse in not only the kinds of bands, the kind of styles, the kinds of kids, the venues. This is a great time for hardcore. I don't. I don't want, I'm not going to leave this on a negative note. I'm going to leave it on a super positive note. Hardcore's in a really, really fantastic spot. Regardless of if you're a Gorilla Biscuits head or a Knock Loose head, but I would love to see. Would love to see. Um, people find the older stuff and at least acknowledge it. You know, nothing wrong with sticking the Acacia train, but fucking with negative approach. You know, like get to know what it is. Get to know what, you know, because there's cool shit. And I, I, the more I look at these old books, Glennie Freeman's got a book coming out of Minor Threat. Just pre-ordered it. Can't wait. I wasn't around then. I was a baby. I wasn't even born when they were first starting to do the Teen Idols. And I was like, now, you know what? I was probably born when the Teen Idols was first getting going, but you know, I was a two-year-old when Minor Threat was playing. That's the way it is. Missed out on so much stuff. So when I look at these old books and stuff, I see so much in what we do that I still have the hope that maybe 20 years from now, even 10 years from now, things don't completely explode and break away the way I was just talking about. But I think the way it's going to work is that people still put time and effort to make sure it's not just the current bands playing on their current system with the current booking agents because of their current touring cycles, because of the current record releases. Like, go out of the box if you're a promoter. Go get this old, get these old bands still kicking and rolling, you know, while they still can play. Because they all know their own mortality very well. And that's another thing. You know, it was fucking brutal this summer to sit there and watch Breakdown, Killing Time, Moralize Rich McLaughlin, huge part of that entire crew's legacy breakdown and killing time. You know, it's like the older I get, I mean, I remember being 16 years old and someone saying rabies died, and there might have been by today's standards like a national hardcore holiday. The entire hardcore scene was affected by the death of rabies. That's not. That's not me being flowery. The entire hardcore scene was like, wait, 
rabies died? Now, probably there's some haters and out there, like raggedy motherfuckers, but fuck them. You know, like, these are the things that are going to continue to happen to some of the greats, and I hope it I hope it doesn't, but I, it's the reality of life. I don't think hardcore is going to die. I think hardcore is going to live on, and what it mutates to or what it becomes next, I'm not excited to find out, but I hope that I still have some part of it for the time that I put into it, and... That's all I got to say. This GB show has made me kind of like think about a lot of this stuff. And my mother is a couple days away from being 60 years old. And anyone who's ever stayed at her house, you know how crazy that woman is. The crazy stories of her shooting guns through the walls of the house. The, the, the amount of bands that stayed in her house and partied even when I wasn't home. Or just basically used Brill Street as like a staging point hoods and clenched fist and others would hang at my mom's house for five or six days and play like hey we're gonna drive four hours and play here we're gonna play three hours. and they had yeah just come right back in the house yeah you gotta stay stay as long as you need to stay so you can tour because my mother knew when we were on tour these same people were leaving their houses open to us i don't even know if that shit that's happened anymore to be honest i think everybody just gets hotels or gets their fucking van broken into and gets gofundmes um on the GoFundMe front, again, incredible amount of support to my mother. I was recently informed that they have put up a GoFundMe for the thousands of dollars we put into putting Abel down and getting him cremated. And this is the kind of stuff that friends pop up and do. And it is, it puts me in a weird, awkward position because. I would never stick my hand out. I'll just eat shit and, you know, try to work more overtime and make up for the money that was spent. But it does feel nice to have people who specifically, specifically go ahead and reach out and say, hey, I want to help. It's definitely interesting. And so... My family is impacted once again by hardcore and in return will definitely be impacting others, I would hope. Um, all of this stuff that I just talked about just comes down to some simple, real things. I love doing hardcore shows still. I really do. The chaos of it, the stress of it. There is a thrill that comes from announcing a show and then the, the tickets going on sale. That's great. But... Dude, seeing friends, the, 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 I think actually the thing I miss the most, I think I, I hate, or I don't hate, because I love doing the shows, and I love being a part of the production of the shows, but when I'm dead, there's not going to be a million pictures of me with people at the shows that I put on, because I'm just working or sitting at a table or doing shit, and I miss so many opportunities to see people, like Damien for Punishment came out for, uh, to do tattoos and hang out around these GB shows. And I, aside from seeing him at the end and seeing him for a little bit, like I barely feel like I got to see him. And this is like one of my best friends on earth. It's a ton of stuff like that. I'm happy everybody gets to go and do these things that we put on. And I kind of bummed out and sad at times that I don't get to be a part of it in that regard, like with everybody. I do this shit for everybody and for myself because I love doing it. But I miss out on that big everybody together picture. And sometimes I see him post and I'm like, fuck. Am I fucking up? Am I doing this wrong? But I don't think I can go wrong doing Gorilla Biscuits shows two days in a row. So 
once again, thank you guys all for the support. Make sure that you are listening. PhillyHCShows.com, T-I-H-C Fest on Instagram, or, or yeah, T-I-H-C Fest on Twitter, and This is Hardcore Fest on um, Instagram. More updates coming for the This is Hardcore 2023 lineup soon. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, make sure that you go to JockoFuel.com or OriginUSA.com. Check out the products we were talking about. Um, and if you're in the area or able to just go ahead and, you know, go see something as epic as like a Gorilla Biscuits show at an iconic venue, uh, don't drag your ass. Don't be like, ah, don't worry, they're going to do it again. You never know. You never know when different things happen and these bands either decide to not play anymore, etc., etc. But I do believe that few opportunities repeat themselves. So make the most of it. And, um, yeah, make the most of what we have now while we can instead of waiting. Thank you.